and welcome to the Flathead Beacon Podcast. I'm Andy Viano. This week, I'm joined by staff writer Micah Drew to talk about the return of one of our most popular and longest-running features, the thrice-annual Best of Preps issue, highlighting the top high school athletes from the area and, as much as anything, a chance for our photographer and our design department to show off their skills. And this week's issue is certainly no exception, so I talked to Micah about how all the athletes are selected, how colored cornstarch became a central part of this year's edition, and how he and others pulled off a coordinated photo shoot and series of interviews safely with more than a dozen high school kids in the middle of a pandemic. And stick around after that conversation for the biggest stories from the last seven days, including the latest updates on said pandemic's impact in the Flathead Valley. But first, a very quick reminder that this edition of the podcast and every issue of the Flathead Beacon is made possible in part by the members of the Flathead Beacon Editors Club. Members contribute as little as $5 per month to help finance the work that we do on a daily basis, and they're eligible for some great perks, too. To learn more about how you can support local journalism here in Northwest Montana, visit BeaconEditorsClub.com. All right, let's get back to our show and talk to my colleague, Micah Drew, about a very special edition of Best of Preps. Well, it is certainly a weird year to be covering sports as a newspaper reporter with uh, the COVID-19 pandemic still ongoing. But it is uh, in that vein that I wanted to bring up our guest today, staff writer Micah Drew. Micah, thank you for coming up here again. Thanks for having me up here, Andy. So this week is one of our uh, best of preps issues that highlights some of the outstanding high school athletes in Flathead County. And uh, it is a piece that had been on hiatus for the last couple of seasons uh, that you brought back and, and absolutely a, a, a beautiful looking and beautifully written issue. So congratulations, first of all, on that. How was it putting together uh, Best of Preps for the first time this year? Uh, it was a lot of fun. It was definitely uh, the most fun I think I've had working on an issue uh, so far this year. Uh, not to diminish any of the other athletes or teams that I've covered, but this was definitely the most fun getting to kind of pour through the overall season stats and performances of a lot of the really good athletes in the Valley and then doing the the long task of of hurting 14 to 18 high schoolers together on a single night to do a socially distanced and uh, safe photo shoot and pulling all that off, which we did more or less well. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, the, the end result is great, which is uh, the most important thing. But now let's let's peel that back a little bit. When you first start looking at this issue, how do you go about narrowing down that field of all the athletes in all the sports to the 14 to 18 who get picked to to be in the issue this week? So for me, I started with the the easiest sports to go through, which is golf and cross country, um, just because those sports being individual sports is very easy to just go through the state results and figure out which athletes from the Flathead Valley did really well. Um, top 15 make all state and those just get slotted in right away just because those are are, are very easy to go through. And uh, I know that by the end of the day um, on the state meet. With that, there was one caveat this year. We did slip in um, Sam Ells from Glacier High School, who, other than an end-of-season hamstring injury, he would have been one of the top athletes in the state, but he was 
unfortunately sidelined a little bit for that. So we did slip him in there, even though he was a little outside that top 15. But after those two sports, it really comes down to waiting until each conference releases their all-conference and all-state honors, which is voted on by uh, all the coaches in the area. So that's kind of a conglomerate bubbles up to the top, the top prospects anyways. Um, So that's kind of good to start. And then from there, we'll scan through and you go through the different levels of second team all-conference and then first team all-conference and then first team all-state. And from that, it's a little bit of communication with the coaches and looking at season records and season stats and um, seeing which athletes we really think deserve that that stop, top spot and that top feature. Any particularly difficult calls this year? I know most years there's a, there's a tough line because the line has to be drawn somewhere. We only have so many pages in the issue. Any particularly agonizing uh, decisions or, or athletes that had to be left off uh, by just a little bit this time around? There were a couple on on the cross country side of things. Uh, there were only, uh, if I do my math right, five athletes in that top fifteen ish area um, in the state. Two of them happened to be from Columbia Falls uh, on the girls' side, and they finished one after another, third place and fourth place. So it was debated for a while between giving them both a nod, and eventually we realized we had to select single athletes more often than not. So that was a really difficult one to make. And then just going through, especially um, on the football players, there's just so many stats you can look at. And we have so many good athletes from the Valleys that they're all on the list in some way, shape or form. And so really trying to go through those takes a little bit of, of extra work and a little fine tooth combing through the stats and game reports and reaching out to some coaches to get some opinions. All right. Now for the especially strange part this time <laughs> around, uh, Almost every prior issue of Best of Preps, I think with one exception, had been shot in our office, our comfy little cozy surroundings in, in downtown Kalispell. Obviously, there is a pandemic ongoing. There are rules about how many people you can cram together in a, in a small space and how many can, can be there at one time. So you and our photographer, Hunter D'Antuano, came up with a pretty interesting solution. Can you explain to, uh, to the listeners how... You all did end up pulling this off. Well, so this vision was uh, was started by by Hunter, our photographer. He had it in mind earlier in the year, and we finally got to pull it off. Even without a pandemic, we would not have been able to do this in our office um, without drastically changing the uh, color schemes of every every room in this place. But yeah, we ended up going down to the fairgrounds um, and using their expo building so that we could uh, safely have athletes coming and going without ever being in in close quarters with each other and what we did is we found these packets of uh colored colored cornstarch and we had this idea that if we threw them around above in front behind all these athletes we could create this smoke effect that when you combine it with a black backdrop um, and some strobe lights and flashes that we'd get this really cool kind of epic Uh, smoke effect and it worked very well if you see from the spread in the paper and the photos we have online i think we did an adequate job of making these athletes look uh look pretty badass and uh, they had a lot of fun with it but it did mean that by the end of the two and a half hours of photo shoot myself and hunter and our two other uh volunteers out there were covered head to toe and beard to back with every color imaginable Uh, And it took a while to get some of that out. And cleanup may have taken 
several hours after that. Yeah, I mean, because you you mentioned those those colored cornstarch packets, you were quite literally throwing them either at the athletes or up in the air as the uh, the camera was clicked, right? Oh yeah, so we were we had an ath we had a we had somebody on either side of the the frame of the photo, um, and usually we each had a different color powder in our hands. And we basically just aimed at each other and we were set offset maybe a foot or two behind the athletes. So we were basically just chucking these handfuls of powder at each other to create the smoke effect at the right distance behind the athletes that it looked good. But these powders have this great quality and you can see it in some of the photos where it has this smoky effect as it disperses into the air, but it also clumps together at times. And so you can see that in some of the photos, but it also meant that occasionally myself and staff writer uh, Maggie would get just a faceful of just this powders just smashing into our faces if it didn't dissipate in the air. So, well, you do say the athletes had a lot of fun. Were there? How about the first person who came? Because that's what I'm curious about. It, it's one thing, I think, to watch an athlete from another school or from your own school do this and think, oh, that's cool. I'll step in and do that. How was the conversation with the first person who showed up explaining just what you all were planning on doing? So that was pretty good. Our first athlete uh, was Cormac Ben from uh, Big Fork. He showed up right as we were finishing setup in some of the test photos. So he saw at least some version of what was going to happen and he was very into it as soon as i explained you know the basics of it's not going to stain your hair or your uniform which you know both moms and coaches are i'm hoping really really grateful for that aspect but we basically just stood him there and told him hey you're gonna you know stand here and mean mug at the camera or smile at the camera and look tough and we're just gonna throw colors around you and after maybe a little hesitation he kind of got the idea and it looked pretty good and we kind of used him as a guinea pig to figure out, you know, do the powders need to go in front of the athletes or behind the athletes or higher or lower and what kind of creates the, the effects. And then it just kind of snowballed from there. And usually every person would come in while we were in the middle of shooting somebody else and then they would see it and then they would usually get more excited. And so as the night went on, I think athletes got more and more into it to the point where we had we were filling golfers clubs with powder so we could try to get powder arcs as they swung their golf clubs. And we had people you know, slapping their soccer balls with powder and setting their volleyballs and uh, having a good time and covering themselves and us and the expo building at the fairgrounds with a lot of color. I know one thing that, that does happen in some years is uh, pandemic or not, it's a chance to get to talk to some of these athletes and learn about some of these storylines. It's just because there is so much going on in the fall sports season, you maybe didn't have a chance to to follow or, or even know about as the as the season itself was unfolding. Were there any particular athletes that, that maybe you didn't get a chance to focus on in the course of your normal reporting who uh, who stood out, whose stories were were interesting and, and, uh, and nice to be able to include in this last issue of the fall season? Yeah, there were there were definitely a couple just because of the nature of the way we were doing the photo shoot. I didn't have quite as much time to chat with them as maybe I would in a normal year where we weren't cycling athletes in and out and back and forth. But just getting to talk to a lot of the seniors and talking more about their their plans for next year. A lot of them, between the season ending and this photo shoot, have started to finalize plans and they're going on to college. So getting to talk to several of the athletes, both of our volleyball players are playing in college. Um, some of the soccer players have already signed and are looking to sign. And so that's always exciting is just, just getting those next step conversations. And then one of the athletes that I had not yet talked to in person was Jake Rendina from Glacier. And 
obviously as a as a football player and uh being who he is he's just a very large imposing figure but to talk to he's just super fun and super relaxing to talk to and so it was really fun getting his perspective on on his season which was obviously just a very very phenomenal season and um, will be talked about for a while in the in the high school football circles around here so getting to chat with him in person was really fun well, the bar is raised for the winter edition of Best of Preps, but uh, congratulations on, uh, on putting a really awesome first first Best of Preps issue together, and, uh, and thanks for telling me a little bit about it. Yeah, thanks. We have a lot of ideas for the next one, but we also have a lot of powder packets left, so you never know. If you've not already, be sure to pick up this week's issue of the Flathead Beacon to see all the fantastic athlete photos and profiles in print. And stay tuned later this week to browse through Best of Preps online for free at flatheadbeacon.com. Now, here are the biggest stories from the last seven days as of 9 p.m. on Tuesday, December 8th. A steady stream of new COVID-19 infections continue to be reported in Flathead County, with another 834 new cases logged in the first eight days of December. The county crossed another grim threshold on Monday, surpassing 8,000 total cases since the pandemic began, and the pace of new infections has remained well above 100 per day since November 1st. This week, the Flathead City County Health Department also reported that five additional residents had died from COVID-19, bringing the countywide total to 44, 17 of which have come just since November 20th. Those deaths may in part be tied to a devastating outbreak at Brendan House, the long-term care facility managed by Kalispell Regional Healthcare. A total of 54 residents there tested positive for COVID-19, and as of December 7th, 12 of them had died. The county does not share to what extent those deaths are included in the recent surge, and the reporting of COVID deaths does sometimes lag by several days. But KRH reports that the outbreak at Brendan House is now under control, with just one active case at the facility as of Tuesday. In other COVID news, the first doses of a coronavirus vaccine will arrive in Flathead County as early as next week, and a batch will be shipped to the Kalispell Regional Medical Center, the state announced last week. Seven major hospitals in Billings, Bozeman, Butte, Great Falls, Helena, Missoula, and here in Kalispell will receive the first doses, which will be administered to healthcare workers. An estimated 9,750 total doses are slated to arrive in Montana by the middle of this month. Immunity from COVID-19 comes only after two doses of the vaccine are administered, 21 days apart, and a second shipment of vaccine is expected to arrive in the state one week after the first round. State health officials said the seven hospitals were chosen because their facilities have the capacity to store the vaccine at the extreme cold temperatures that are necessary. Closer to home, the Flathead City County Health Department is expected to have a new health officer who, as it turns out, is also the old health officer. Joe Russell, who ran the department for 20 years before retiring in 2017, is coming out of retirement to fill his old job on a one-year basis, ideally giving the department enough time to stabilize after a tumultuous nine months and give county leaders enough time to find a suitable full-time replacement. 
Russell replaces Tamalee St. James Robinson, who filled the job on an interim basis beginning in July, but announced she would leave last week amid bitter public disagreements with county officials over the implementation of restrictions to limit the spread of COVID-19, something voted down repeatedly by the County Board of Health. That same Board of Health is expected to approve Russell's hiring on Wednesday. And finally, Kalispell Regional Healthcare, Flathead County's largest employer, will have a new name in 2021, Logan Health. The announcement was made last week and comes as the healthcare system is expanding its reach by partnering with medical facilities here locally and across the High Line. KRH CEO Dr. Craig Lambrecht said in a press release that, quote, now is the time to truly unify our organization and move forward under the one name of Logan Health. The new name pays tribute to Glacier National Park's Logan Pass and will go into effect on January 1st. That's our show for this week. You can read more about all of these stories and more at flatheadbeacon.com or get the latest news delivered straight to your inbox every weekday by signing up for the Daily Roundup, which you can also do at flatheadbeacon.com. Until next week, thanks for listening.